We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram. It's a, it's a real delight to be with you today. Um, I'm going to hopefully, I'm going to walk around a little bit if that's okay. I'm going to try not fall off uh, the edge of the platform here, but it's, it is a real joy. Um, I think some of you will, will remember me as a, as a seven-year-old boy running around the church in St. Helens. Or no, we left when I was seven, so I would have been much younger than that. Running around the church in St. Helens. Um, but you know, just as I've been, I've been here, um, I've been thinking about genera- just the generations of, of legacy. Might seem a strange thing to start with, but I, I think there's something about the DNA of this church that's passing on a legacy for generations. Some of those of you who are leading worship this morning, you'll never know this, but I used to, as a young boy, and returning back to St. Helens, seeing you leading worship, seeing you involved in church act- ministry, now passionately still following Jesus and worshiping him. You might not know this, but that actually had an impact upon this little seven-year-old that left St. Helens all those years ago. Some of you who prayed for my parents, your prayers, legacy is the outworking, not just of this life, but of your lives. So please, I want you to understand, never lose sight of what God is calling you into. It isn't just your life, and it isn't just a small prayer. Your prayers are powerful. Your life is powerful because of the one who's at work in and through you. So I just wanted to say that, really. I want to say thank you so much for all you've invested into the kingdom in the years gone by. But, you know, it's a real joy to be able to uh, uh, stand here as the international missions director. And for those of you who may remember, you may not, my dream was to be a police officer. That was my dream. That was the, like, the goal. And to be honest, there are some days where I still think that, was, that is the dream. But um, I never thought I would be uh, standing on a platform speaking to, to people that I, you know, I've never, well, I've met some of you, but some of that I've never met before. I wouldn't have a dream that I would get invited to churches to come and speak and share about the work of Elam Missions and, and what, more importantly, about what God is doing across the earth. God is, is amazing at surprising us, isn't he? And so I want to just tell you a little bit about what God is doing in, in and through Elam Missions, but then I want to just lead you to Romans chapter 8. And uh, Julia, you might not, yeah, I think I mentioned this to you, but you wouldn't have known when you spoke that this morning um, about hope. Uh, I've been wrestling about what do I share because I want to speak. I don't want to sort of come with a pre-prepared message that, you know, I can do anywhere and maybe you can check online. I wanted to come and deliver something that I felt like the Lord wanted to speak into your heart and lives individually and corporately. And so um, that just for me, it was just a real sense of the, the grace of God saying, you've got it all right, Ian. Um, whether the message turns out all right or not is another matter, but I think I'm going to deliver what I think God wants me to deliver. But Elam Missions, we um, have been in existence for over 100 years. We have over 70 missionaries uh, across the globe. We work in 56 different nations. Uh, We do all manner of things from uh, humanitarian stuff to church planting. Um, It's just so varied. And stepping into this role, I kind of go, well, what defines Elam Missions? Because we've got people who are working in schools, we've got people who are uh, working in, uh, in, in humanity aid projects, we've got people who are planting churches. How do we find an umbrella that says, this is why Elam Missions exists? 
Because I think if we can find why we exist, we can give a reason for what we do. And we can also say yes to some stuff and no to others. Otherwise, we end up doing loads of stuff without any clear purpose of why we're doing it. So the reason Elam Missions exists, and this isn't, you're going to get some first-hand sort of like Ian's thoughts on this. Um, but it's not new and it's not unique to me, is that Elam Missions exist to participate with the Spirit in the renewal of all things under the Lordship of Jesus. That's why we exist. That's like the big picture, the big vision stuff that we have is that we don't just do this life on our own for our own benefit. We don't do mission and ministry just because we think it's a nice idea and we want to do some good to people. Actually, we get to participate with the spirit in the renewal of all things under the lordship of King Jesus. Isn't Jesus amazing? He is phenomenal. He is majestic and powerful and incredible in all his ways. He does everything well. And we get to partner with him in the renewal, in his renewing work. Now, um, we'll get into some other stuff in a moment, but that's the essence of why we exist. Because we want to we see Jesus known, we want to see his kingdom break out, we want to see people encounter him, we want to see lives transform, we want to see communities change, we want to see the kingdom of God advance in ways that only he can do, and we want to partner with him. The outworking of that for us in terms of direction is that we want to we be a catalyst for gospel communities, uh, in, uh, for movements of gospel communities in every nation of the world. Go, we're, going, we're, going, we're going big. I'm really thankful that I have some administrators in the office to help me try and work some of this stuff out. But actually, we want to send missionaries to take the gospel into communities, into nations, to see Jesus elevated, the kingdom come, lives transformed and changed. Because you know what? When lives are changed, when lives are transformed, I believe uh, communities change. I believe offices change. I believe homes change. I believe societies change. I believe governments change because of God's people living out the activity of the kingdom in every single place. Project is not a bad thing. But a project is not multipliable in many respects. And it has a specific focus. Imagine, though, communities grabbing a hold of this idea that actually they don't need to simply rely on Western ideas or Western thoughts and Western money. But actually God has placed a resource of deposit and wealth and knowledge and understanding of culture and and people. That we partner together to see the gospel advance in ways that only our communities across the globe understand. That's what I see. I see I see us having a global vision. A global vision for world transformation. Playing our small part in God's big picture. And we get to do it with a whole host of others. That's what I see. And I do see, you know, we've got some amazing projects that are, taking, are happening across the world. It, honestly, just I, I, I would spend all morning telling you about those things. Go to our website, elam.org.uk forward slash missions, and you can find out about some of the things that we're involved in. Uh, go to our Facebook page or Instagram or whatever else or the social media stuff that you may or may not be bothered about. Um, you go, go, to, go there and find out what we do. Um, but let me just tell you... Uh, one story that I hopefully will encourage you. Um, So uh, we have some work going on in South Asia. I'm not going to reveal nations and names um, just for some security reasons. Um, But 13 years ago, um, 
the, this, our missionary returned back to their home nation with a desire to see one village and one church, one train leader and, and one church in every village in, in, in their nation. That was the dream. At the time, the number of churches were, were, were low. Uh, in 13 years, they've trained over, over two, 200 leaders and they have planted over 200 churches that they know of. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, grace of God. Grace of God. In, in remote villages, remote parts, it takes hours and hours and hours for them to walk to these places. They're, they're training up regional le- leaders who are then developing other networks and seeing other churches planted. So that the, the reality is there's probably more churches than they actually under- know, know exist. But a phrase maybe you're aware of, you're, you're, you'll be aware of is high accountability and low control. It's in operation in this, this nation. But the beautiful thing is that this nation now, having got 13 years of experience, have, have actually gone to another nation in Southeast Asia. Because they also have a, had a vision to plant one church and one trained leader in every, every village, in every town, in every province of their nation and beyond. So they, uh, this missionary and a fellow missionary go and do, start to do some training. Now, it's meant to be a 12-month period of time of training. But do you know what? They, um, COVID hit, so they just got on with it. And so in one province where there was just one church plant from our church in, in, uh, um, in, in this nation, uh, they now have 18 churches in that one province, and there's only 18 villages in the province. They would say now that that is the the Christian province in the nation. And now they're planting churches in other provinces and they're training other leaders. And there's this cross-pollination of ideas and thought and training that is emerging in kingdom life and growth. And they're having all sorts of ideas to see how the gospel can advance and change and change lives as they, as they walk and partner with Jesus. And that's what you as an Eden church get to partner with, even though you may never, never visit so when you connect with us or inquire with us or work with us, what you give, give into the life of the others, what you're doing is you're helping the gospel to advance in places that you'll never see and you may never know, never meet those people this side of eternity, but one day you will. It's amazing, isn't it, that we get to do this. So anyway, I'm going I'm to turn, would you turn with me to Romans chapter 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay. Into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now, in this hope, we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. 
Because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. For we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What a magnificent piece of scripture. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence with us today. We thank you for your activity already in hearts and lives, drawing us to yourself, drawing us to Jesus, envisioning our hearts and minds with a a picture of that which is to come, but not ignorant of the present reality. Lord, we, we long for that which you have purposed. And so today, Jesus, as we just explore these, these verses in these next few minutes, would you help us, oh God, to, um, to be captivated with a, a grander vision, your vision, your vision of the world and that which is to come. Jesus, would we, help, would we understand in greater measure that which you're inviting us into? Would you give us eyes to see a present reality For what it is, but Lord, would you help us to be the kind of people that you've called us to be? In the world in which you love, which you gave yourself for, Jesus, would you help us and empower us, sustain us and speak to us? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the first groaning... I don't know whether you noticed something as we were reading through that. There was a, a groaning of creation. Like it's a lot, it's, uh, groans. Like the, it's not just a, ah. There's something carried in the language that Paul is wanting us to get a hold of. That it's this salvation that you and I have experienced. It's not simply just a, a personal, individual thing. But all of creation. Everything. Is groaning and longing because it's not as it should be. Have you ever just wondered why? Why is it all? Why is the suffering? Why is the pain? Why is the climate change? It's like the the biggest thing at this moment in time, like climate change. What's all that about? The earth seems to be uh, crackling and groaning, and there's there's like worry, isn't there? Of this, what's going to happen? And if we don't do something, it's it's all going to go pop now. The, the p- politicians are thinking there's a political solution to it. Now, I think this politics has its part to play. I think there's some stuff that we can do. But I think what we get a picture of in this, this passage is that the earth, it is broken. It's, it's, it's not as it should be. You and I know that. 
You and I know that, don't we? We know that Genesis 1 and 2, I mentioned this previously, I think maybe on Seabed, but Genesis 1 and 2 is like God created everything good. Like the world he made was good. You and I were good. And, and st- Genesis 3 happens and the fall comes and the curse upon humanity had an impact upon the earth. And the outworking of the fall means that everything is broken. Groaning, longing because it's not as it should be. Do we need to do something about the environment? Yeah, absolutely we do. Do we need to do something that says we are, we are taking our responsibility as stewards of God's earth? Absolutely we do. Because that was the mandate. That was the gift. That was the call, wasn't it? To steward the earth, look after the earth, rule with God under his authority on the earth. And we've done a really bad job of it at times. Maybe that's why things are the way they are. But this suffering, this groaning, this longing is saying that something isn't right. What does missions have to do with with that? Well, everything. Because everything is God's. Everything is the Lord's. The, The fullness of the earth and everything of it, on it. Seen and unseen is his. It belongs to him. And so as his people, we have a responsibility to, to partner with him for the, for the world in which he's made. Because I think it represents the God in whom we serve. You know, if you look into some of the, the, the spirituality behind climate change, it's, it's, it, some of it's a little bit new agey. We don't do it because of that reason. We don't do it because we worship a false deity. We don't do it because we're somehow new age spiritually. No, we do it because we worship the one who created this thing. We worship the one who sustains all things, who holds all things together. And that is the message of the, of the, the good news, is that he reigns. And everything is under his control. And so if we want to be the kind of disciples that he's called us to be, the kind of people that he's called us to be, then we step into that and say, God, we're going to take responsibility for this, even though we realize that one day those groanings, those yearnings, those longings will not disappear until Jesus returns and establishes his rule and reign forever. And he, he makes everything new. So the, the earth isn't going to burn up. It's not going to burn up in a, in a ball and... He's going to renew all things, make all things new. Resurrection life is going to come. And this world and everything in it, the newness under King Jesus will be magnificent. That's why the earth is longing and groaning because it knows it's not, it's not as it should be. And you and I know that. So we do it because we worship the one who is the creator and holds it all together. You notice something else is that believers groan. <laughs> Some of you may be in other ways, but there's a groaning within us, deep within our spirit, because we know this is not right. Something is not right. The world, humanity is not as it should be. I, prior to the pandemic, I, I, I was doing far too much traveling um, in many respects, but I got to see a lot of things. I got to walk through the slums in, uh, in Mumbai, through dark corridors of w- cables and poverty and mess and grime and rats the size of a, a Newfoundland that we saw yesterday. Like massive things, just horrible. I think they are, they're definitely a result of the fall. Rats, by the way, definitely a result of the fall. 
Um, I've been in the Philippines where I've seen children walking, uh, walking in amongst the rubbish stuff to, to try and find things that they can sell and reuse so that they can make some money for the family. It's, it's horrific. When you, go, when you go and you see, it's not just about the things. It's not just about creation. It's about people. You realize, actually, humanity, we're broken. And we, as believers, we see that there's a better way, don't we? Because we've come to this understanding that Paul writes at the beginning of this chapter. If, if anybody's in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. And he writes in, in 2 Corinthians, if anybody's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So when you've come into, into relationship with Jesus, you realize, actually, there's just... People don't operate the way that God has designed, and so there's a groaning and longing. I think it's that groaning and longing that should drive us into mission. Not simply to sit back and go, oh, Jesus, I'm I'm longing for the day I get to heaven. I'm longing for the day that I'll be with you, and just, Jesus, can you make it quick? That longing, that groaning, that stirring, that something isn't right is the compulsion that goes, let me partner with you, Jesus, in helping to make all things new. You make all things new, but you invite us to display and uh, to, to work with you to reveal your glory, your power, your majesty, your renewing work in and through us. How, if you've been walking with Jesus some, some time, um, you maybe look back at your life and you go, oh, dear me, I, was, I really, was I really like that? And you look now at what God has done into you, but the, I don't know about you, but the longer I walk with Jesus, the, the, the more that longing for Jesus grows. That longing for renewal and redemption. The longing for things to be made right. And I don't know whether you experience this, but you walk down the street, so you, you hear things on the news and you see people and you go, oh God, if only your kingdom could break in, it would make all things new. It might not lift them out of the circumstances, but their perspective, their heart, their life, their, everything would be made new. The vision would change. The perspective of life would change. Jesus, if only you could make things new in that situation. And he invites us from the compulsion of this groaning. To be involved in his mission. But the reality of it is that you and I are not exempt from that suffering. Are we? Like in this moment, you and I, we, we experience that. The limitations of our humanity. Uh, the, uh, the brokenness of our world. The brokenness of our systems. We, are, we also experience, we're not, we're not numb to that. In this room, last, you know, no mind just the 20 months, there will be all kinds of manner of life experiences that you'll, you'll be going, oh man, if only the kingdom of God was, if only Jesus and the newness and the renewal of the world, this wouldn't happen, but it does. And so how do we live with hope? Because actually we have hope. The hope that is, that is seen is not hope because it's been fulfilled. We have this hope that one day everything will be made new. So we live with a different perspective that enables us to, to live out those, those sufferings in a way that speaks of the powerful rule and reign of Jesus. And enables us collectively, community, to bear witness to Christ even in the face of sufferings. We weren't immune to the pandemic. I know some people would have loved us to have been immune to the pandemic. We weren't immune to the pandemic. We weren't immune to the, the knock-on effects. And we won't be immune to the, knock-on, the, the continued effects of the pandemic. But one thing we do, 
We stand firm in the hope of that which is to come. We stand firm in the resurrected power of Jesus. We stand firm in the belief that the resurrection means that everything changes. The resurrection changed everything for us. And so in our sufferings, I I wonder whether God wants to use them uh, to sharpen us, to shape us, uh, to compel us to participate with him in this great mission. And then the final groan before we get on to the, the future hope. Because in this life we go from groanings um, to glory. One day we'll experience the fullness of the, of the glory of God in all its majesty and splendor. I, it'll, be, it'll be way beyond anything we can imagine. It, it'll be magnificent. But in this present life we experience those groanings and Paul then writes "Ah, the the spirit groans so we've got creation groaning we've got humanity groaning believers groaning and then we've got the spirit groaning if you're a follower of Jesus this morning the Holy Spirit lives in you he's made you new he's made you alive to Christ and he's our helper I love what Paul says here is that he will he will help he helps us so in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Um, and by the way, I don't think we should be too narrow on those weaknesses. Um, otherwise, we, we maybe lose out on some things. I think we recognize that actually as, humani- as human beings who are not yet, fully, uh, not, yet, uh, not yet seen Jesus, we experience some weaknesses. Um, my wife will tell you I have some weaknesses. And if, if, she, if she was here this morning, she would be saying yes and amen. But the same is true. You have um, weaknesses too. But we don't do this life on our own as followers of Jesus. We have the, the, he, God's graciously given us the spirit to enable us to live the kind of life that he's invited us to live. And he helps us in our weaknesses. He knows our weaknesses. I find that amazing. It says that the spirit searches. Searches the heart. Like knows the mind of Christ and he knows us. I mean that is shocking isn't it? He, he, he sees us, knows us, and yet he comes and dwells in us and makes us new. And he helps us in our weaknesses. So John Mark, I, don't, I think it was you, John Mark, that was saying earlier about don't, if you recognize you've fallen, you, you've stumbled, and you've, you've, you've done something, don't run away from God, run to him. In fact, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can't go anywhere from him. He lives in you. Whether you're aware of his presence or not, it's immaterial. He lives in you and he's beckoning you. In fact, he's praying for, he's interceding on your behalf that you, that you may make it. <laughs> that you may make it. It's magnificent. Because left, left to my own devices, I think I'd have given up a long time ago. But the Spirit of God living us, groaning, longing, interceding for us on our behalf. It's our work in us, empowering us, changing us, shaping us, making us to be the kind of people that he's called us to be. I love that God doesn't leave us on our own. And then from glory to glory. See, there's a danger in, in today's world, I think, where we have a, some people have an over-realized eschatology. And they don't grapple with the, the issue of suffering and, and pain and why some stuff just doesn't happen. 
Because I, I, listen, I believe in prayer. I believe that God does the miraculous. I believe that God breaks, his kingdom breaks in in ways that surprise us. I do, I, absolutely. But I also realize that not every time does the kingdom break in the way that we would long for, the groaning that we long for, the longing that we know that we'll one day will be. It doesn't always happen. So how do we do this? We go from glory to glory. We are in a process, a journey of being conformed to the image of Christ. We are in this, this tension of the now and the not yet kingdom. In the, in the here and the now, we see these moments and these times of God's kingdom breaking in, activity, giving glory to Jesus. And it stirs a greater longing in us for God. May that be more, 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 Lord. May that be that may not be true here as it is in heaven but one day between now and then we live with this tension that we know the reality of the spirit's help and the spirit's power in the kingdom of God to break in but the glory that will be is not yet fully known we see it in part but one day we'll see it fully And so he says, so um, Paul writes, for we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Um, Has anybody ever shared that verse with you when you're in the middle of trial and and tribulation? Like, has anybody ever done that? Uh, Don't you just feel like going, yeah? Like, shut up. (laughs) Um, Now, the feelings are true, but within the context saying that God is working all of these groanings, all of these things, all of these hopes, all of these desires, the kingdom life. He's working it all together for his purposes and his glory and his name's sake. We don't understand how all of these things individually or globally begin to work together. But do you know what? I know the one who reigns over it all. And he's pulling the strings. We don't understand that he's, if we think he's not pulling the strings, we don't understand that he is working all these things. He's the one that can redeem the good from the tragedy. He's the one that can make all things new. He holds it all together. And he is working out his purposes on the earth. And you and I get to partner with him as he does so. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That idea of of foreknowledge, of predestination, don't get hung up on it. It's a doctrine for the saints. I believe that God um, is desiring that many, many people will turn to him and put their trust in him. And our responsibility is just to say, look... This is, this is who I believe. This is, the, this is the God I worship. This is the one who is calling you and beckoning you to come and know him and love him. Because actually this, the, the bigger purpose, the bigger picture is one day the invitation will be that we'll rule and reign with him under his authority. New heaven, new earth. That's the kind of the, the hope that we have. Um, and so I believe that God, God desires many, many more people to come to faith in him. But for those of you who are, who are followers of Jesus... I believe, that's a, I believe that's a really important verse for us to understand that God has purposed you and me to participate with him in his great work. It wasn't chance. It wasn't just your choice. In fact, it was God's choice as he chose you and appointed you to bear fruit. He did, did, did Abraham say, oh, I, I think that's a good idea. I'll, I'll, I'll just decide to, to, to go into a new land. No, God called him. God appointed him. God chose him. All the way through the scriptures, you see God calling and appointing and, and commissioning. 
God has called and appointed and commissioned each and every one of us to be participants in this great mission of his. The other thing that I just noticed about this, actually, is that so we want we'd be conformed to his, the image of his son, which is the process of discipleship, isn't it? It's the journey that we're on of, of being conformed in, in the likeness of his son, fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those kind of things that we read in the scriptures and we go, that, that's the dream. He's working in us to be conformed to his image of his son as we, as we walk with him. But so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I've never really thought about that before. But have you ever thought about yourself as a brother or sister of Jesus? Think of him as, as king. Rightfully so. He's king. He's lord. He's, he's like, he is. But there's also this indication that we're, he sees us as brothers and family. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? To think that together, brothers and sisters with Jesus... Living out his purposes, part of his family. I don't know, I don't know but I think that, that changes everything. It changes everything for me. Because we don't have to, we get to. I don't know, that'll be stuff, the language that you use. We don't have to do it, we get to. We get to be a part of this story. We get to be a part of this family because God has called us to participate in his great work. And we do so with the hope and the tenacity, and the determination, and the love, and the grace, and the mercy, and the kindness that we've been shown with the one day that everything will be made new. So the suffering, the pain, the sorrow that you're, you may be experiencing now will one day be dis- will disappear. There'll be no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain, no more disease. No more sin. Nothing. You might think that's great, and that's there. But actually, the, the reality for you and I is that we get to live in increasing measure that life in the here and the now with the full expectation that one day it will be fully realized. We get to live as the children of God. It said earlier in these scriptures that the creation waits for the sons of God, the children of God to be revealed. When Jesus comes and he establishes all things, if you're in Christ Jesus this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, you will be revealed as a son and daughter of the Most High. The sons of God to be revealed to all creation. Creation is longing for the stewardship that was purposed in the beginning. And we will participate with him in that great mission. That's the hope. That's the call. That's the focus. That's the vision. And in the here and the now, how are we doing that? How are we living out that now in the here and the now? That's what we get to do. So your work. So if you're, you work in office, construction, training, whatever it is that you're involved in, you're, you're not a follower of, you're not a, a construction worker who just happens to be a disciple of Jesus. You're a disciple of Jesus who just happens to be a construction worker. And in that construction you work, you are participating with the Spirit of God in the renewal of all things. If you're in college or school, you're not just a student. You are participating with the Spirit in the renewal of all things because you're bringing your full self 
under God's rule and reign into those things that he might be revealed through you. It's magnificent. Super challenging though, isn't it? See, that's why I think we need community. That's why I think we need gathering. I think that's why we need to be a part of, of the people. We are a part of the people. God, we can't do this thing in isolation because I need you and you need me. We need to spur one another in faith and good works. We need one another to sharpen one another. We need one another to help us in those times where it feels like despair to go, look at the hope of that which is to come. Lift up your heads. Look, the resurrected Christ will one day return. Why? Because he rose again, victorious, conquering sin and death for you and for I and for all creation to experience the reality of the resurrection power of Jesus in us. So, King's Church, I'm going to draw to a close because I think my time has gone. Um, if, the, if the cards were being shown, I'm sorry, I ignored them. Um, what does it mean for you? I think it means to acknowledge the situation you're in. I think it means to acknowledge the longing and the groaning of your hearts that things aren't right. I think it means to bring that out into the reality of who you are as God's people. I think it means to process some of that stuff together. I think it means to journey together, but I think it means to, uh, to help one another to lift your heads, to see the, the activity of God and the participation of the Spirit in the renewal of all things, in and through your activity. Through, it was great to be yes, uh, yesterday with your, community, your got, uh, missional community leaders and just hear some of the things that they're dreaming of and desiring. I think it means getting involved in what God is doing. I think it means digging in. I think it means saying, Jesus, I recognize that all things aren't right, but one day, one day, Jesus, everything will be made new. So I wonder if uh, uh, musicians are back. and I don't know if musicians are back. I'm going to pray for you. there's somebody here or online who's watching this morning you just need to be reminded that the Holy Spirit is your helper you've not been abandoned you've not been left alone those silent groanings those longings of your heart the the weaknesses that you've experienced or you see he he is with you and he is for you and he's going to help you make it don't give up get reacquainted with him and his presence he's more for you than you can ever begin to imagine or dream may you know his comfort his grace his mercy his power at work in you and Jesus for this church King's Church Thank you for the generosity. Jesus, I thank you for your presence among this people. Jesus, as they emerge out of the, uh, uh, these last few months that have just messed us up in so many ways, Jesus, I pray that they would know a fresh sense of your presence and your power at work in and through them.
But I pray, as I spoke yesterday, Jesus, I pray for greater fruitfulness in the days that lie ahead and the days that are behind. I pray for your presence, Jesus. I pray that there would be a captivation in heart and mind of the things that are to come and lived with the reality of the here and the now speaking life and hope for a, into a broken world. I pray that as they engage with all matters that are, are, are really important in our world, Lord, that they would be good stewards and be seen to be so of all that you've entrusted to them. But Lord, I pray first and uh, finally, and importantly, that the more and more missionaries would be raised up to be sent into all parts of Warrington and beyond. That missionaries with a missional zeal and missionary heart would arise with fresh passion and fresh vigor, fresh desire for your kingdom. And the people of Warrington who need message of hope, the message of good news, the message of the resurrected Jesus. In your, in your name's sake, I ask these things. Amen. Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast. Inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready.